Welcome, I'm Prudence Robertson and this is EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. Pro-Life Pledge. Members of the House of Representatives vow to protect the unborn in Congress at all costs. Representative Chris Smith, co-chair of the Congressional Pro-Life Caucus, explains the commitment he and his fellow Republican colleagues made in a letter addressed to Senate Republican Leader Mitch McConnell and House Republican Leader Kevin McCarthy. Limits on abortion. A new poll finds most Americans support restrictions on abortion and oppose taxpayer funding. Knights of Columbus Supreme Knight Patrick Kelly joins us to unravel the findings and share his sentiments on the now 1,500 ultrasound machines donated through the Knights Donation Program. Pro-Life Summit. Young pro-life advocates gathered for the National Pro-Life Summit in Washington, D.C. We have the details from this all-day event organized by the Students for Life of America. Over 180 members of the House of Representatives have pledged to vote against any appropriations bill which excludes pro-life protections. In a letter issued earlier this month, pro-life representatives praised Senate Republican Leader Mitch McConnell and House Republican Leader Kevin McCarthy for their pro-life leadership in Congress. Co-chair of the Congressional Pro-Life Caucus, Representative Chris Smith of New Jersey and Representative Jim Banks of Indiana led the letter which acknowledges the pro-abortion push by Democrats in both chambers. The letter states, quote, the removal of these long-standing policies represents an extreme pro-abortion stance that needs to be immediately addressed. Taxpayers should not be forced to pay for abortion domestically or internationally. The consciences of healthcare providers who do not want to participate in abortion should be respected. Funding should not go to international organizations that are complicit in forced abortion and involuntary sterilization. Joining me now is Representative Chris Smith of New Jersey, co-chair of the Congressional Pro-Life Caucus. Representative, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much for having me on. And great coverage of the March for Life. You guys are amazing. Oh, thank you so much. In the letter addressed to House and Senate leadership, you, along with other pro-life lawmakers, made a pledge to oppose federal abortion funding. Can you tell us more about that? Yes, <clears throat> during this entire year, especially during the summer, uh, the Democrats on the Appropriations Committee and the Democrats in general, sadly, under Speaker Pelosi, uh, took out every single solitary pro-life safeguard, including the Hyde Amendment, including my amendment to the Federal Employees Health Benefits Program, and even the Helms Amendment, which says overseas uh, we don't pay for abortions. Well, under this new bill, uh, we would. And I actually went to the Rules Committee, tried to have four amendments made in order. Tom Cole had some and others did uh, to put them all back. And they rejected every single one of them. So we're saying to our leadership, Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell, who have been absolutely faithful and committed and strong to the unborn and to their mothers, uh, that we will not vote for any bill that, that overturns such important provisions as the Hyde Amendment and even the Weldon Amendment, Rudens, as you know, you know, there's a coercion mentality mm -hmm. on the part of the abortion lobby and the abortionists that says hospitals have to do them, even if they're Catholic, and even if they're, um, you know, conscientiously opposed, uh, and individuals, healthcare professionals. Uh, the Weldon Amendment provides that protection, as do a few other uh, conscience laws. They are gone in the Democrat bill. So we've said, and, and we've got the, the, the funding for our government ending uh, on February 18th, unless it's renewed, 
Uh, there is a way forward, and that is if we don't get an agreement, uh, we go to a continuing resolution for as long as it takes uh, in order to get these important safeguards back into the policy and this back is, into law. This is really crucial, clearly. Representative, what's the status of the 2022 appropriations package right now? Right. It, it's, it's, there's negotiations underway, and again, especially being run by the top four leaders of the House and Senate. And of course, that includes Speaker Pelosi and McConnell and uh, Kevin McCarthy. Uh, but there's also the appropriators themselves. Rosa DeLore, who's the chairwoman of the, uh, of the Appropriations Committee, uh, is fiercely opposed to the pro-life language. Uh, so again, the default would be if we come to no agreement, and, and the agreement, if there is one, has to be absolutely faithful to all of these existing policies. They're in effect right now, and they're looking to overturn them. So by February 18th, when the funding for the United States government, the authorization for it, runs out, it has to be renewed, and it has to be done on a short term or longer term to the end of this fiscal year or beyond, uh, we do it with a stopgap measure called a continuing resolution. And that keeps all of them intact. Right. Thank you for providing that clarity. Switching gears just a little bit, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi just announced that she will unsurprisingly seek re-election and says, quote, much more needs to be done to improve people's lives. Your thoughts, Congressman? Well, improving people's lives means improving everybody's lives, uh, everybody's life. And, and abortion is violence against children. It's also violence against the mothers. We know, and I've been in the movement, along with my wife, for almost 50 years. I got involved in 1972, as did she a year later. Um, we know that the women are hurt, particularly on the intermediate long-term basis, by abortion. It harms women. And it's the church, it's the pro-life movement that welcomes them, post-abortive women, as well as those who have unattended pregnancies, to say, we love you, and we love you both. Uh, so if you want to improve lives, uh, enfranchise the unborn child, provide meaningful protections, certainly don't fund it and facilitate it and expand it, uh, as, unfortunately, uh, the Democrat Party has been, been doing. When I came into Congress in 1980, there were over 80 pro-life Democrats in the House of Representatives. Now there's none. There's one individual who gives us a vote sometimes, but operationally, we have no pro-life Democrats anymore. So hopefully this is an engraved invitation to pro-life Democrats to take their party back. They should not be the party of abortion. Uh, and again, if you want to help people, you got, you got to say life is for everyone. Uh, and the violence of abortion, dismembering a child, chemically poisoning a child, there's nothing compassionate, humane, or benign about uh, the abortion methods. And we need, and that's what I think Dobbs will help us do, and the Texas case uh, at six weeks, you know, with the heartbeat bill, uh, which hopefully will be sustained by the high court, to get a focus, slight scrutiny uh, on the unborn child. Birth is an event that happens to all of us, not the beginning of life. And ultrasound, as you know so well, Prudence, from your work, uh, has shattered the myth that a child is anything but human and alive, waking, sleeping, sucking his or her thumb, I mean, it's incredible what goes on before birth. The abortionist just destroys it by, uh, by sharp knives and by uh, poisons. And yes. so we need to get that focus there as quickly as possible. Yes, indeed. Well, thank you, as always, for standing up and speaking out for the unborn. Representative Chris thank Smith, you. thank you. Thank you so much for your work.
We've received breaking news from a person familiar with the decision that Supreme Court Associate Justice Stephen Breyer has announced his retirement. This could give Joe Biden an opportunity to appoint a pro-abortion justice to the Supreme Court. If this were to happen, however, conservative justices would remain in the majority. Joining us now to react to the Supreme Court news and share details about SBA List's new national pro-life scorecard is Jamie Dangers, legislative director at the Susan B. Anthony List. Thanks for being here, Jamie. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. Um, just want to get your quick reaction first to this Supreme Court news that Justice Breyer will be retiring. What does this mean for the Dobbs case and the pro-life movement moving forward? This is something that the pro-abortion crowd has been pushing for for a long time mm -hmm. because Biden has promised that he will appoint a Supreme Court justice who supports abortion up until the moment of birth. Mm -hmm. So as far as the Dobbs case goes, that is already set. This court that is currently sitting, they are the ones that will decide it. The fight for who will replace Breyer will be right before the midterm election. So it will be interesting to see how pro-life uh, voters get amped up as they see the pro-abortion extremism on display right. based on who this administration nominates. Mm, well, we'll certainly be tracking that very closely. Moving on to the scorecard, I wanted to start by asking, what was the inspiration for creating the pro-life scorecard? I know that it was first rolled out before the pivotal 2020 election cycle. We are so excited about our scorecard. It has been such a fun project to be able to show pro-life leadership on the Hill. This year has been a difficult one for pro-life legislators right. because it's such a pro-abortion hostile climate on the Hill. But I think people will be encouraged if they look at the scorecard, and that's what we're hoping, because not only do we show the votes of the things that are, that pro-life members are trying to stop, sure. but it shows their proactive activity, mm. the bills that they're trying to pass, the pro-life amendments and things. So I hope it's an encouragement to voters as well. Mm, I'm sure it'll be very educational. In this most recent update, were there any surprises that pro-lifers should be aware of? Uh, anyone who surprised us in standing up for life or any concerning votes that we should be tracking? I think more than a surprise, it was startling, again, to see the pro-life extremism on the side of the Democratic Party. It's tragic because it wasn't, you know, in the far past when we could count on a lot of Democratic votes. Right. Um, but now, except for the rare occasion, it's hard to find that. But on the other hand, what is uh, just encouraging is to see the strength and the unity of the uh, pro-life leadership on the Republican side. Mm, indeed. And I noticed that SBA List has started rolling out some endorsements for the 2022 cycle. How does the scorecard um, and the grades that are assessed play into those endorsements? Certainly a good grade on our scorecard goes a long way in weighing those endorsements. Um, and again, because we don't only show the votes, but we show when they've introduced bills and all the different pro-life activity where they show leadership, sure. that really helps to inform uh, those making those decisions. And we also hope that it informs voters when they're trying to figure out primaries and when they're trying to figure out general elections, right. because the party in general is pro-life. Um, you hear different accounts in the media, but our scorecard will show 
these people really are active on the life issue. Mm -hmm. So good to have. So glad you guys have created that resource for us. And I wanted to get your thoughts on one more piece of pro-life news. Uh, National Review recently reported that the state of Virginia, under the leadership of the new governor, Glenn Youngkin, has removed its support from a pro-abortion brief in the Dobbs case, saying that Virginians believe it's up to the people to determine abortion law and that the Constitution is silent on abortion. What are your thoughts on that? Well, what a difference an election can make, uh, going from Governor Northam uh, signing pro-abortion legislation into law and talking about infanticide, right. to Governor Yunkin, who supports reasonable limits on abortion, uh, he's right. He's absolutely right. The Supreme Court needs to remove its stranglehold uh, from debate on this issue. And governors like Yunkin and state legislators and Congress up here need to be able to have those debates. That's what many people are thinking of when they're voting for them. And the Supreme Court needs to let legislation be debated mm -hmm. and elected officials have the word, final word on this and pass, pass limits and pass protections where consensus can be found. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Jamie. Always so great to have you in the studio. Jamie Dangers of the Susan B. Anthony List. Thanks so much, Prudence. The decision to modernize abortion law in America is in the hands of the Supreme Court justices, but our work is far from over. Now more than ever, we must pray for an end to abortion. That brings us to this week's Call to Action. Go to ProLifeWeekly.com to learn more about how you can pray for our Supreme Court justices as they consider the Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization case. The Susan B. Anthony List is partnering up with pro-life leaders across the nation to pray every Monday night. You can join this initiative by going to ProLifeWeekly.com or simply by dialing 833-380-0736 to tune in this Monday night at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. A new Marist poll finds that 71% of Americans support legal limits on abortion. The poll, sponsored by the Knights of Columbus, found that over 50% of Americans oppose taxpayer funding of abortions. In addition, 81% of Americans believe laws can protect both the mother and unborn baby. And 63% of Americans oppose new federal rules allowing for dangerous chemical abortion pills to be distributed via mail. We are joined now by Supreme Knight Patrick Kelly of the Knights of Columbus. Thank you so much for joining us. Yes, uh, thank you, Prudence, for having me today. Of course. Now, this Marist poll found the vast majority of Americans believe there should be significant restrictions on abortion. Does that surprise you? You know, it doesn't surprise me because we've been doing this poll with the Marist polling company for 14 years now, and we get a consistent result. Every year, we find that a, a majority of Americans uh, want legal limits on abortion. And that's very important because, you know, this idea that many people try to push that uh, the American people want abortion on demand right up to the point of birth is just not true. I mean, this poll shows us that once you get beyond the labels, uh, you see that the majority of Americans want legal limits on abortion. So it's, it's, it's an important thing uh, to keep in mind. Mm, yes, and I know that you ask um, those being polled a lot of questions, but what is your biggest takeaway from this year's poll in particular? You know, my biggest takeaway is it's consistency. 
uh, over the years, but also the fact that 81% uh, of those we polled believe that our laws can protect both the mother and the unborn child. I think so often uh, in, in popular culture and e even in the, in the media culture, there is uh, the, the, the mother and the unborn child are put in, in competition with each other. It's an either or. And what this poll shows us is it's not an either or, that we can craft laws that can protect both. And I think that's the direction that this country is going in, particularly as we you know, as we uh, uh, come to the Dobbs decision later this year. Mm, yes, certainly very encouraging. I want to shift gears for a moment. I understand that the Knights of Columbus recently donated its 1500th ultrasound machine. Congratulations on that. Could you tell us about this milestone? Well, this is a program that we started in 2009 where we, we, we partner with local councils uh, to put ultrasounds in pregnancy centers. And it was an, it's been an enormously successful program. And so this last week, we put our 1500th ultrasound into a uh, pregnancy center. You know, and it really is, it's, it's, it's extraordinary the impact that ultrasound can have on the views of an expectant mother. Um, when we started this program in 2009, we didn't quite know how it would go and how it would take off. But I have to say, consistently, year over year, we put in hundreds of ultrasounds. And it's just, it, it's so important, I think, as a sign of hope for these mothers uh, to come around them and to support them to make this life-affirming choice. Mm, absolutely. And you've touched on this a bit already, but why is it so important for mothers to see and hear their baby in the womb? Because I think it gets beyond some of the the lies that have been told so often that uh, that that this is just a clump of cells uh, and that this this will uh, you make this decision and you won't have to think about this again. The mother sees that image of her child. She hears the heartbeat, and it really is very very compelling. And I think it's important for, for all of us as a society to come around that mother and to come around that unborn child. You know, like I said before, they're not in competition. We need to love them both. And I think that's really what the ultrasound does. Uh, and that's why I think the Knights of Columbus were so proud to, uh, to sponsor this program and to put so many ultrasounds in pregnancy centers. Yes, it's so important. And we know that updates in technology and ultrasounds have really revealed the humanity of unborn children in a way they haven't before. One more question. We cannot get over the amount of people that attended this year's March for Life. I know that you were there. What was that experience like for you? You know, it was great to be there uh, in person. Obviously, we all know we didn't have a, a, a real March for Life last year. We didn't have the tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands there. But this year, it was great. There was a really a real sense of hope, I think, for the, the future of the pro-life movement. There's hope that things are moving in a very positive direction. So there was enthusiasm, and there was hope, and there was there was love there. So. I just was so happy to be there and so happy to represent the Knights of Columbus, uh, all my brother Knights and their families at the March for Life. Mm, it was such an important and special day. Supreme Knight Patrick Kelly of the Knights of Columbus, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Prudence. Coming up, pro-abortion messages were projected outside the Washington, D.C. Basilica on the eve of the March for Life. I speak out. 
Plus, a pro-life group hosts its National Pro-Life Summit in the nation's capital. We take you inside the annual pro-life event. Welcome back to EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm Prudence Robertson. A group that refers to themselves as Catholics for Choice is responsible for a disturbing display on the eve of the March for Life at the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception in Washington, D.C. That is this week's Speak Out segment. During the prayer vigil that took place on the eve of the march, we and other pro-life leaders were appalled to see gargantuan pro-abortion messages projected on the shrine. The so-called Catholics for Choice group displayed messages such as, pro-choice Catholics, you are not alone, one in four abortion patients are Catholic, and stop stigmatizing, start listening, all projected on the front of the shrine's Knight's Tower. This act was no less than blasphemous. The Basilica is a holy place dedicated to the Immaculate Conception. While this display has likely invoked a righteous anger in many of us, we must have compassion for those who instigated it. Many in our church are confused about Catholic teaching on abortion, and it is our job to point them to the truth that this is the preeminent moral issue. We pray that the Lord might confuse the enemy and loosen his grip on so many who believe in total lies and convert their hearts so they might recognize the grave evil of abortion. Young pro-life advocates gathered for the National Pro-Life Summit in Washington, D.C., a day after the March for Life. Former Vice President Mike Pence spoke there along with other pro-life supporters. Here's a glimpse of this year's pro-life event. It is up to us to work harder than we've ever worked before. The National Pro-Life Summit took place a day after the annual March for Life. Nearly 2,000 people, including youth, pro-life advocates, and politicians, all gathered in Washington, D.C. for this all-day affair. The theme of this year's summit was All In for Life. Organizers of the event say it's a critical moment for the pro-life movement. We in the pro-life movement must be prepared as we lead up into these months for a post for America and then after. And this is the place, the National Pro-Life Summit, is the place where pro-life activists can become trained in their marching orders for what to do now and what to do after. Kristen Hawkins, president of Students for Life, wasn't the only one expressing optimism for a post-Roe era. Former Vice President Mike Pence was the special keynote speaker. New administration is advancing abortion on demand at home and abroad. <laughs> President Joe Biden even abandoned his long-standing support for the Hyde Amendment and now supports taxpayer funding of abortion all the way up to the moment of birth. While the former vice president took note of his administration's pro-life work, including the appointment of three Supreme Court justices, he made sure Americans knew it was time to overturn Roe. The tide has turned for the pro-life movement. The pro-life generation has never been stronger. And thanks to all of you, life is winning in America again. It's true. And never doubt the American people are on our side. And I believe a majority of the highest court in the land is on our side as well. Freeman Marshall, a student spokesperson for Students for Life, echoed the sentiments of former Vice President Pence, 
she offered pro-life facts to refute those advocating for extreme pro-abortion efforts. I would invite you to look at fetal development and look at what exactly it is you're supporting. Follow the science and follow human rights. What a beautiful message by our youth. Sisters of Life in New York City and abortion survivor Melissa Odin were also in attendance. If you would like to support Students for Life of America, please visit www.studentsforlife.org to see more of their pro-life efforts. That does it for this edition of EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm Prudence Robertson. Until next time, we'd love to hear from you. Find us on social media at EWTN Pro-Life on all social media platforms. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, we're there. You can also send us a message by emailing ProLifeWeekly at EWTN.com. We'd love to hear from you. We leave you with images from this year's March for Life. Remember, life is a gift. Your life is a gift. God bless. Demonstration in the world. Today is a beautiful day to come together from all walks of life, from every corner of our country, and really fight for the, those most vulnerable amongst us, the unborn. There is a joy in seeing so many people from all across the country and around the world coming together for this, but there's also that sadness because we know why we march. We march for life because every life is sacred. We march because every life is created in the image and likeness of God. Abortion, and what it's done is broken our hearts Every child matters. Every woman matters. Every person matters. So many young people would take time out of their busy schedules, out of their lives, to travel to the nation's capital to stand up for this for this injustice and see that it comes to an end. Yeah, this is what gives us hope, right? Because it's the future.